Point out the colors in you. I see them too, and boy, I like them. I like them. I like them. We way too fly to partake in all this hate. We out here vibing. We vibing. We vibing. Alexa, play Ariana Grande. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Welcome to the Tour Junkies Fantasy Golf Podcast presented by 18 Birdies, the best golf app in the business. This is the John Deere Classic 2018. Let's get going. All right, everybody, welcome to the Tour Junkies podcast. DB here. Now, I am on vacation this week, so you'll stop hearing my voice after this intro, and you will get to hear Pat Perry and none other than Mike the Moose Metzger, founder, mastermind, genius behind Fantasy National Golf Club, where we get all of our stats. You're going to hear from Mike. He's a hilarious human being. Him and Pat are doing their their thing this week as I'm on vacation. Although, you know, Pat can't edit the show or possibly record an intro, so I'm having to step in and do this. I haven't listened to the show. I have no idea what they're talking about. All I know is they're going to be funny. There's a lot of podcast juice flowing. They do talk about the Ryder Cup. We're pretty excited about the Ryder Cup in Paris as we are all going. And, of course, we're going to get to the John Deere Classic picks. Although, the John Deere Classic, it's lame and the field sucks. And, you know, the, the Open is next week, so there's a lot of excitement around that. But it's going to be a good show. I feel confident in my boys. It's going to be a really good show. Hope you guys enjoy it. want to thank none other than 18 Birdies. Listen, if you haven't downloaded the 18 Birdies app, you can use promo code TOURJUNKIES. When you download, you get one free year of premium access after you play your first nine holes on the app. you got to play nine holes on the app to get the one-year free premium membership the best stats. Now they even have strokes gained, so you can keep your own strokes gained stats on the app. That's pretty cool. Something that only the pros tend to get. So it's pretty cool. 18 birdies. Download the app. Tour Junkies is a promo code. Enjoy the show. God, I hope they don't ruin us. What is up, golf addicts? Pat Perry with the Tour Junkies here. And you know what? You're not hearing that familiar voice of David Barnett to start off the show. No, you get Pat this week because David's out of town. We're giving him a little bit of vacation. And I have a very special guest with me for the podcast tonight. And that is none other than the Moose. Moose, how are you today, tonight? (laughs) What is going on? I am doing good. How are you doing, Pat? This is exciting. It's fun to be back on here. It's been a long time. I think the last time I was on with you guys when we did that kind of recap pod after the PGA Championship at Quail Hollow. That is right. And that was a fun show. We had all the wives with us. Uh, Your wife did her moose call. (laughs) Oh, my God, yes. Yes, there was some podcast juice going that night. There was, there was, there was definitely some podcast. Actually, juice. there was podcast juice going on from about ten in the morning on. Actually, now that I think about it, yeah, there was. So, well, speaking of that, what's what's the podcast juice for you tonight? Tonight, I've got a nice local IPA with mosaic hops. 
I've got three of them sitting here at the ready. They're all open. So like as one runs out, I can just immediately move on to the next one. I'm very much a systems guy and I'm about efficiencies. And I think I've kind of got this lined up perfectly. <laughs> you know, what's so great about that is that, you know, we, we were talking a little bit before we started here and, and you mentioned you were going to open the, you know, get them all lined up. And I have a bottle of rosé here beside me. And it is it is open and ready to go. I'm like you, you know. David would say this that that I'm not a very systems oriented type guy. That I'm not always very organized. But it, when it comes to my podcast use, I gotta have it ready. I don't want to disrupt anything for the show for, for the podcast use. So it it just flows properly throughout the entire show. And here's what David does: he'll actually just leave in the middle of a show to go make a drink or do whatever. So I think he's the one that's not planning properly. Is it always during your weather report that he does that? Well, you know, we cut back on the weather report. It's, it's usually when I'm giving out the, the uh, course breakdown. He just, that's, that's what I meant. Yeah. It's the course breakdown. So, so let me ask you, are, do you decant that rosé or is that rosé just not decant worth? Do you even decant rosé? I'm not even sure. Do you let it breathe? No, you don't need to worry about letting it breathe. <laughs> You just want it to be as cold AF. Just as cold as AF. Yeah, that's right. That's that's all I really care about. And uh, you know, we're not we're not trying to get too fancy here. But um, so Moose, you know, we gotta we gotta first talk about last week. Now, this is the John Deere Classic podcast, but but we gotta go into the Greenbrier, and we had Kevin Na with the victory after what seven or eight years since he had a victory. Uh, just a great performance on Sunday. Uh, you had guys, you know, like Kelly Craft and HV3 sort of popping up over the weekend, but but in the end, it was it was Kevin Nye who who just who just brought the heat on Sunday and got that victory. So, any thoughts on on the Greenbrier itself? How your lineups did? Um, just uh, you know, what what do you think? Well, I ha- I had green screens. I think I made a whopping five dollars and sixty cents. Um, nice. It sounds like wasn't me. My- yeah, it wasn't, wasn't my best showing ever, but I'll, I'll take any sort of profitable week here when you're doing the GPPs, so I was pretty excited about that. Uh, I, you know what? I had some really good picks. I was also on Nah, but I, I had a couple guys in the 7,000s that just killed me, namely Aaron Wise, uh, little Ryan Blom. I don't know. How about you? Well, yeah, just I was like you. I mean, I was pretty freak. I mean, it was... It was all right. I had some green screens, but in the like Sunday, every single one of my guys just absolutely crapped the bed. I mean, every single one of them. Webb, I had some Mickelson. Um, I mean, just all of them. It w- it was not very good. So uh, you know, but whatever. I mean, do you have, do you happen to have like what DB's picks were for last week and how they did handy? Well, I, I, here's how our picks did for for the week. We had. Let's see. We picked 33 guys. We had eight miss the cut. We had four top 10s, and we had 10 top 24s or top 25s. And then uh, we were not on Nah. Not on Nah. So, um, you know, the chalk bomb last week was was okay. You know, we had Phil in the chalk bomb, and Bubba was in the chalk bomb. Bubba kind of, you know, came in with a pretty good round on Sunday or Saturday. And then, and, but yeah, I don't know. So, Shaw bomb was was decent, but 
it was just one of those weeks for us, and it was really looking good going into the weekend. But when when I had a I had several Webb Lahiri combos last week, and that mm. you know with what Lahiri did on the weekend and Webb totally screwed him. I probably would have cashed pretty well if it wasn't for those two guys. So yeah. well, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. It is what it is. But we are on to a new week here for the John Deere Classic. But first, I want to get into I want to get into you a little bit, Moose, because gross. Yeah, yeah, we got to talk about you a little bit. You okay. are the mastermind behind Fantasy National, which we talk about a ton on the show. So just give me a little background on you and, and what you've been doing. Maybe maybe a few new things that are coming down the pipeline with Fantasy National. And uh, just what do we got to look forward to? Oh, man, I don't know that I can share any of the stuff that we got coming down the pipeline yet. We, we got some really cool stuff. Uh, we're trying to look at ways to do some tracking live. We have the live beta that's up right now, but we're working on trying to kind of do some like cut sweat stuff on steroids and just make it easier to follow your guys. Um, just been having a, a killer season. Uh, we, I think we opened up uh, the clubhouse about eight, nine months ago, and it's just kind of been taken off like gangbusters ever since. Uh, we actually won a very cool Fantasy Sports Trade Association award last month. Uh, it's been great. So what what we do and what I've done for a while, I started, I used to just make spreadsheets to help me like pick guys down the lineups and figure out who were the players to play. You know, if you just watch TV, you see five to ten guys on TV, and it's really hard to, you know, pick guys you know, once you get down to that 7,000 range. So I started putting spreadsheets together on, you know, how do I figure out who these guys are and who's worth, you know, rostering and eventually I turned it into a website and it's kind of, you know, like baseball before sabermetrics. And it, it's really cool. We don't, we don't give picks. We don't give advice. All we do is we present data to people and allow them to splice and dice it any way they want, generate lineups. We have simulations. You can, can really easily look at recent form versus long-term form. I mean, that's that's kind of what we're doing is we're just trying to make it where golf, like fantasy golf, is more like regular golf. If you know that it's going to be an easy course this week, you, you know that birdies are going to be kind of more important. So you'll target in on that, and you can kind of look at those any way you want, whether you think that it's more important if they've been making birdies in their last 12 rounds or if you think it's more important to have good long-term form you can kind of mix and match mash it all up and create any sort of model you want as a user did i do a good job explaining that or is that how would you how would you describe it pat well you computer savvy man you (laughs) well see here's the thing is exactly what i was gonna go i was i was heading in that direction because when you so way back in the day you know what three long years ago uh when when david and i started this thing we did get your spreadsheet and I remember thinking this thing is really smart and there's a lot of stuff in it. Uh, it looks great, but I have no idea how to navigate this thing and, and I'm not really sure what to do. So when, when fantasy national came out, it was obviously a godsend to me uh, because for someone who's not as computer savvy as a guy like you or, or maybe David or, or many of our listeners, uh, you know, it fantasy national just made it so easy for me to not only pick and choose the the stats that I wanted to look at, but like you said, the conditions. I mean, you even have it broken down into windy conditions and windy AF, which is my favorite. <laughs> um, 
So I think that's the coolest thing about it. it and it's it also is you can you can make this thing as extensive and complicated as you want it to be, which some people want it to be. I mean, they want to add as much stats and conditions and whatever else, or you can just make it, you know, pretty easy. You know, just look at last 24 rounds or look at the last 12 rounds and not even break it down with how easy the course is or or the the green surface or whatever. I mean, for me, I tend to actually, I I look at it more from a a top-level stance. I mean, I don't always break it down into, you know, bent grass greens, you know, soft, medium, firm, whatever. But if you want to, you can. Uh, and that's what I love about it is it's just it's, you, there's so many different variations that you can use this for. And, you know, and then right there, too, the easiest things, too, you got recent results and tournament history. I mean, those are key. We always look at course history. We, we always look at recent form. So those are, are pretty basic but easy to, to throw up here and on the website. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm not trying to make this an ad. You know, because we we, we <laughs> no, know we we know we've if, if, you know we've talked about this recently. Some of our listeners they don't they don't like some of our advertising, but we just love the site. I mean, it's it's something that's made our lives easier, and it's also uh, I think helped a ton of fantasy players out there. I mean, hell, you even had the the millionaire maker winner for the Masters is a is a big fan of the site as well. Am I, am I correct there? Yeah, he's a member. We've had a couple $100,000 winners, a couple $30,000 winners. And you know what the cool thing about it is it's really nothing that we did because we aren't making picks. We just have a site out there that allows people to dig in. And you were saying that too, is like what's really cool about the site is it can be as in-depth or as not in-depth as you want. And if you've ever even purchased something online like a lawnmower, you know how to work you know, the stat engine by just saying, okay, show me the last 12 rounds. And you can just filter in and get that. To me, one of the greatest things, I got a three and a four-year-old. I've got, you know, the business here, the Fantasy National going or Clubhouse. And I don't have, you know, hours and hours to spend researching each week. And what I love is I can just hop in and spend 20 minutes and do some serious hardcore research. Last week, actually, I was laying in bed at like 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, oh my God, I'd never even like put out lineups. I pull up my phone, just kind of did a little bit of sorting, plugged in my lineups manually on the app. And it just, I still had a great week, you know, well, not great week. I won $9 or $5 or something like that, but I didn't lose. You didn't lose. You know, just (laughs) right. You know what I mean? It's not a guarantee. There's no guarantees in any of this stuff. Anybody who's telling you otherwise is, is silly. There's so much variance, but you know, the best thing you can do is just make educated decisions and dig into guys and kind of see if, you know, the stats line up with the course and make it all match. And that's what I think is fun. Well, I know that you, you mentioned that um, you might have a little perk for some fantasy national members that are out there that are, that are TJ fans and listening to the show. So what, what do you got for them this week? Any, any, okay. uh, any, sp- yeah, absolutely. Specials? So here's what I was thinking. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing is fancy national golf club. We're a golf club. We're not, we're not like just, you know, some place that you go get discounts or promo codes. So we're not like offering any sort of 50% off or, you know, free trial forever. Cause I mean, Pat, if your dad's a member at Augusta country club, if he, if he went out there, and ask for a discount or a promo code, what would they say to him? <laughs> They'd probably say, <laughs> F off. <laughs> so, same deal. So, here's what we're going to do. So, we don't offer discounts, but we do love guys who 
create free content like the tour junkies here and a few of them we have some codes set up so anybody who goes and signs up for fantasy national under the so go to fantasynational.com slash tj and that's all you have to do we'll put a cookie on it we'll know that you're you came here through tj and uh how long should we give them maybe uh till through the open championship to sign up yeah let's do through the open championship Okay, and uh, so anybody who signs up who goes to fantasynational.com slash TJ uh, will be in a drawing to get a one-year free membership to the site. Wow. that's that pretty, simple enough? That's very simple, and all, I like simple. If, if anyone who's listened to this show for a long time knows that I, I'm a simple person, and mm-hmm. so that, yeah, that's, that's great. Well, we appreciate that, Moose. So, yep, so fantasynational.com slash TJ, and then just sign up. We have three plans. You can do uh, a weekly plan. You can do monthly dues, or you can do annual dues. So, basically, you're joining a golf club. You're going to pay membership dues like you would at any other club, and you just have the option to pay it weekly, uh, monthly, or annually. So, obviously, uh, if you go monthly or annually, you'll save quite a bit of money, but... The weekly is out there, too, for you guys who just kind of want to check it out. And for those guys who just want to check it out, there's a link at the top that says Watch Demo. And we've got some great videos with uh, some really big fantasy golf players, including we have uh, an episode with David Barnett where he walks us through how he uses this site. So I highly recommend you guys check that out. You said big fantasy golf players, and then you led into David Barnett. I mean, come on. You, You can't. Can't possibly say that, right? I'm just playing to my crowd, buddy. <laughs> I don't mean it, but you know. Have you? You've actually his his. It was pretty fun going through the site with him too and seeing how he used it. So I really had a good time on it. I wouldn't call him like a titan of fantasy golf by any means. Might be a titan of fantasy golf podcasts, but. You know, you've been around David, you, you and I, well, obviously I have, but you've been around David some, and, and um, let's just, we're going to talk about him tonight since he's not here, you know, I mean, he's going to listen to this anyway, so it's not like we're hiding anything, but I, I think I'm going to get need to get some DB impressions from you, uh, you know, at least at some point tonight. I, I do have one I kind of been thinking about here, so whenever whenever we're ready, we can go at that. But let's let's not do it yet. Let's get the podcast juice going a little bit more. Give it some time to sink in. Okay. Let me figure out how deep I want to take it. Cause... That, that's a that's a good plan. That's a good plan. Well, all right. So here's the deal. It's you and I tonight. We got a ton of dis- to discuss. We're not gonna just. We are gonna get into some picks for for the John Deere Classic. We're gonna do that, folks. Don't. Don't, you know, be patient with us. But we got some stuff to talk about. And one of the big stories last week was the Tiger versus Phil for 10 mil. I mean, I don't know what to think about this. I think it could be fantastic. Um, I, I, for one, I've heard different rumors on, on what kind of money's being put up and in, in, in whose money it's going to be. I think it needs to be out of their pockets. And I, it's got to be something that really hurts if they lose it. But you yeah. think so? Yeah, I mean, I mean, t- I mean, I see that. I see that. I think that makes it a little bit because I, I see where, you know, since these guys are gazillionaires that, you know, $10 million might not sway them all too much. I, I also think that you put the two of those on national television and have them being the only ones on. I think it's going to be competitive enough for them. You know, the $10 million is probably just a bonus on that side of it. You know, I think that they'd play equally as hard for free 
They probably but, will, yeah. I mean, they're competitive by nature anyway. Yeah, but I'm super excited about it. I used to love back in the day when the Golf Channel used to throw on, like, Shell's Wonderful World of Golf, I think it was called, where they'd have just random, like, old-school black-and-white match plays from two guys. I mean, but this is back in the day in, like, the 1960s where, you know, they could get any the top tour tour pros, pros to come out and play and just, like, offer them a Twix bar, you know, and... <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I agree. I mean, I think it, that stuff was awesome. And I even liked the whole, like, showdown at Bighorn or whatever it was with with Sergio and whoever Yeah, else. Yeah, like, put it at, in, do it in the daytime, though. I don't need it under the lights. No, that no, was no, too weird. no. You, yeah, you can do it in the daytime. I mean, yeah, we don't, we don't need, or if you're, you know, do it out, I guess, West Coast and make it as late as possible, but, I mean... But still, not have yeah lights for the last four holes or whatever it is. But I mean, they need to make it real golf. It, do, it doesn't. Yeah. Just, I mean, I feel like when you're playing under the lights and it's it's more made for TV. It's it's just yeah. This thing could be pretty good though. I mean, I think that it it will certainly be. You know, there will certainly be a ton of people that watch it. Um. You know, Phil and Tiger are both guys that are very. You know, they 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 talk a lot on the course. By the way, I think that if you know Tiger likes to cuss a ton, I think they need to like not bleep out anything. Just like like Tiger be Tiger, like when he or says if they like, had like a pay per view channel where you could get the like uncensored version. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Like make it like an old Tyson fight. That's perfect because you put it on paper. Yes, that. I mean, then you get all the cuss words and all the like. Like if I don't know, I think that could be great. Now for the so, kids, it might you... not be so good, but. Well, they they they're not, they they can watch the public network TV version of it. Yeah, yeah. So, did you in, in any of your research? Did you figure out or hear like where they were playing to play? I heard something in in Vegas was like what they thought they were doing early in the month, but there's like no mention of a course or anything, right? There, I haven't seen a course, but I, but I think it was Vegas, um, which I'm sure is you know that's that's got to be a great spot for it. I mean, you think about all the gambling that's going to go on and. Um, oh yeah, I mean it's it's. I like the idea, and I think it's it'd be good for golf to do it. And and obviously it was something that was talked about. What was that before the TPC when they played together? And and they were yes. they were talking about how you know we'd love to play a match, but it's got to be something you know we we you know it, it would it hurt us to lose the money or whatever it was. So I, I think I don't know. It's gonna well, actually actually down at the Masters wasn't the Masters before that where uh, they played with couples. It was this year. We were down there, and uh, like Tuesday, I think it was. Oh, that's was right. Like, yeah, that's right. Whether or not that's where they said that they wanted to maybe have a match someday or not, but like that was crazy. Just the crowds that were following them and stuff. Yeah, I went to the Masters this year, hung out with the tour junkies. How mostly was your, Pat. How was your Masters experience, by the way? It was awesome, man. I had such a good time. Um, it's one of those places that. <laughs> You have the hot people like hype up beyond belief before you go there, and they're telling you it's the like going to be the greatest thing ever. And then you get there, and it lives up to the expectations. Like so, that's to me was the craziest thing. I think. Well, I'm not even going to say anything negative about them, just in case someday you know they want to offer me a membership. So, <laughs> other than that, like, <laughs> I, I don't want to. I don't want to like cut myself short here. Just on, on you know. My my uh, 
tour junkies appearance here. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. You, you said something negative about something here. No, uh, well, I get it. I get it. Although, you know, my my co-host has, has said plenty of negative things, even about uh, Billy Payne in the in the past in the past episodes. Um, which I okay, I quit- fine, fine. I'll tell you what I thought. Okay, fine. Here's, tell me. You want to hear what I thought? Yes. I thought it was awesome and unreal. But they need to do something to. Get up with the times slightly. I'm not talking about digital scoreboards or anything like that, but how about just tell me where the cut line is? Somewhere, like, on the course. They've got iPads behind some of the bleachers where you can take a survey and say, oh, how are we doing? Oh, okay, so this iPad behind the thing's good, but, like, anywhere that might tell me if Tiger's birdie putt on 18 is relevant or not is ridiculous. Like, that's silly to me. So, (laughs) sorry, that was a lot really quick. But... The juice is flowing. It's coming in. It's so coming. seriously, so so before we go out and have dinner on Friday night, like we kind of all split up, and I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm going to go watch Tiger come up 18. Like how many times are you going to get to see Tiger Woods walk up 18 at Augusta? So I'm doing that, and he hits his shot. He's four over at this point. He hits his shot to about 12 to 15 feet, and... I have no idea if this putt matters or not for him making the weekend or not. You know, it's just, he's four over. Like, I have no idea where the cut line is because you can't have your phone. You can't have anything. Plus, like, we lost you a couple times and probably spent about 50 minutes just looking for you because we couldn't say, hey, Pat, meet me over by the hush puppy stand or whatever it is. (laughs) You know what? Actually, you bring up a good point for... In these times that we're in right now with the cell phones and all that kind of stuff, there there is a certain like when you get out on the on the course, there's a certain appreciation I have for being able to put all that aside. The the cell phones, everything, to kind of like go back in time a little bit. But on the other hand, you're right. I mean the national and 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 you know, the Masters has always kind of been on the cutting edge as far as technology is, is concerned. They were one of the first to to really broadcast everything in HD. Um, they had um, their app and, and their everything that's electronic out there. I mean, it's it's pretty fantastic. I mean, so they do all that right. But there might there might be some things that they could do to allow patrons, as, as they call it there, to communicate better while they're out there. You know, like maybe- absolutely. I'm so so much of I like I like the fact that like I couldn't have my cell phone on me for the most part. Like what I really loved is that I didn't have a thousand people around me videotaping. You know, whoever it is approaching the green as if yeah. it's not on network television right now in HD. Like, no, your stupid phone camera is not as good as NBC's. Put it down, DVR it, watch it when you get home, and shut up. So, like, I'm. Fine with that piece of it. I like the no technology, but yeah, just look where what's going on in the tournament. How can I find my friend? That those those were the other things. But man, it was such an awesome experience. I'm not trying to like rag on it. I just I think you know in probably 20 years it might change a little bit, which is probably an all right pace. I, I get that this is how you used to watch golf tournaments, but it's also like well. If you don't have to watch a golf tournament like this and you could actually know what's going on. Because, like, I think Friday's a little different than Saturday. Because Saturday, at least, like, the tee times are lined up in order of, like, where they started the day. But on Friday, the, you know, the players are all spread out. The guy 
who's leading could be playing with the guy who's last. And so you hear roars coming from around. You have no idea who it is that they're roaring for or what group that could potentially be because it's just a noise coming from somewhere else on the course. And it's arbitrary as to, you know, what position they're in. Does that make sense? No, yeah, it does. I mean, I think it's, it, for me, it's actually good getting perspective from someone who's, I mean, that was your first time uh, being there. And, you know, I've gone you know, many times and grown up going there. And so I like actually hearing, you know, someone who's who's been there for the first time, but has been also to a lot of tournaments, as I know you have, um, and, and Ryder Cups and things like that. So it's, I, I like hearing your perspective. And I think that's, yeah, I think that's constructive criticism. I, I don't think the the national is going to send a you know, uh, so so you're saying I could still become a member? You could possibly like still they become might, a they, member. They, they could still they could still okay. I don't think when you're Good. in like if you're in that membership meeting, if if they like throw out this recording of the the Tour Junkies podcast um, with special guest Moose, that, that <laughs> they're gonna that they're gonna be like that. That's a, a point against you. I, they may just be like, yeah, that's constructive criticism. Okay, so but you know what? All right, we're gonna. I, hey, sorry. Hey, real quick, can I? hop in so i'm going to take over here real quick because we were talking about the tiger phil thing and i thought this was a cool kind of like way to showcase the head-to-head feature on fantasy national do you ever use that i do not but you can tell me about it okay so what's really cool is so when you're on fantasy national you have view where you can switch between strokes gained putting proximity and stuff like that but then at the very bottom of there is something called head-to-head and then what you can do is you can put in any two players' names, and then it'll go and find every time that those two players played the same course on the same day and figure out who had the lower score each time. So then it kind of gives you like a true money line of what like the betting is, you know, should be or what a betting line is. So like if right now we have stats from 2012 through 2018 on Fantasy National, if I just leave everything wide open... Tiger and Phil have played 157 rounds together. And of those, Tiger played or won 72 times and Phil won 63 times. So, like, but what's interesting is if you kind of flip that over and let's, like, because that's including like 14, 15, 16, and 17, where Tiger was either like injured or was in denial. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if I get rid of 14, 15, 16, and 17 and just include 2012, 2013, where both of them are healthy, and then this year as well, now all of a sudden Tiger Woods wins 66% or 66 to 39. So that's like a 52% of the time versus 31%. So like in that situation, if you're going to bet and the money line, so it's saying that in order to bet Tiger Woods, you need a money line number of better than minus 170 does that make sense to you yeah yeah you following okay or if you wanted and actually in this case you need a number higher than plus 170 for phil so it's just kind of a cool thing you can kind of plug that in for any two players if, if we just look at 2018 so just this year phil's got the advantage actually he's won nine they've got 22 rounds on the same course same day and phil's shot lower 13 times versus Tigers nine. And so this is saying that Phil's actually the favorite. If you just look at this year, now you can splice and dice this any way you want. If you want to throw in, you know, on easy courses or long courses, it'll always pull it around, but it's just kind of a cool feature where you can just put in any two players and they'll say, okay, who normally shoots lower? 
also great if you're kind of like debating between two guys that you like for a lineup, throw them in there and figure out which one's more likely to have a good round that time. That was ex- that was exactly what I was thinking there was when you're kind of looking at a couple of guys and, and you're just trying to see who you want to fit in the lineup and they're right there next to each other. Um, I think that's a that's certainly fantastic. And then when you look at, um, you know, if you got head to head matchups, if you're if you're going to one of these gambling sites and, and looking at those, I, I mean, that's huge. So I, I'm I'm glad you pointed that out because I, I really don't look at that a, a ton. And there's a lot on your site, which, it, you know, I, I just don't look at that pro- I probably should because there's so much there for you. Um, well, you know what? You asked you ask what is in the works, and over the next fall season, we're going to really work to make the site a lot more user-friendly and make it a lot more apparent of all the tools that are available. Right now, there's a lot of tools that are available that, you know, as you dig in, you start to learn and as you check out the videos, but we want to make it even more obvious and let you know like when you use each tool. Fantastic. All right. I got to talk about one more thing with you because you're on the show before we get to the picks. And that is Ryder Cup. Because we will be we will be in Paris in just over what are we we, we're just over two months away. I believe that we will win. I believe that we will win. Oh, I'm so pumped. It is gonna be so incredible. Paris, France for the Ryder Cup. And I just, obviously, we, we talked a lot on our show after, after we, you know, after Hazeltine and, and hanging out with you. We had a fantastic time. It was just unreal. And well, I think- so first of all, I can't wait to see. So we're, you, me, and DB and the wives are all going to be staying at a little apartment in Paris. We did a little uh, VRBO. Mm-hmm. And I cannot wait to see you try to interact with the French. Like, it's going to be epic and hilarious. Like, it almost, I can almost see David following you around the entire time with, uh, like, Insta Story or whatever that thing is going nonstop. Uh, just, he's oh. going to be going nuts on this. I mean, I will, I, I'm, I'm just saying, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to control myself, probably. <laughs> I'm just gonna... Have you ever? No. Okay. Not on not on trips like these, and uh, no. even even with the wife there, she'll she'll keep me in a, in check for a little bit, but as much as she can. But I've seen it, I've seen it in action. She can she can she can she can rein in the beast a little, a little bit. But this is Paris, France for the Ryder oh. Cup. We are just gonna have a fantastic time. And you know what though, the Ryder Cup in general, I just I cannot explain. How much I've been to, so I was, you know, everybody that listens to this show knows I'm a huge Georgia Bulldog fan. I went to the national championship game that we lost to Alabama, but it was one of the, for me, one of the greatest things for, because I've always been such a huge fan. I never thought I'd even get to go to a national title game based off of what Georgia's done in the past. But the Ryder Cup was probably the most, incredible sporting event i have been to in my entire life outside of the masters because i've been to some pretty good masters um in hazeltine it was just fantastic hanging out with you and your wife and db and everybody it was just so much fun and that's what i'm expecting here when we get to paris and 
So I'm very excited about that. But I think we, you know, I, I wouldn't mind talking about this team a little bit, like what we think is going to happen here. Because I, I, th- I think now also, I think it's relevant when you look at the John Deere Classic and then when you look at the tournaments that are coming up here all the way up leading to the Ryder Cup. I mean, there's a little bit of a narrative of these guys that, you know, how they're going to, you know, they're wanting to make these t- this team. I mean, these guys, like a Bryson DeChambeau this week, you know, he won this tournament last year. He's been playing really well. He's sitting, you know, at eighth in the standings right now, but not for, he's not a lock. So I think we need to talk about this team and our predictions. So right now oh, I'm going to oh. ask you, Moose, who you got. Okay, well, here, let me let me run down where this points stand right now. I'm not going to run in the points, but here's, okay, so for everybody who's not familiar with it, you can qualify for the Ryder Cup on points, and you need to be in the top eight points. There's 12 spots for the American team. Uh, Europe does a little bit differently. It's kind of voodoo magic, and we don't really care how they choose to lose the tournament. So they can do it their way. We're going to focus on U.S. here. But so the top eight in points are automatically in. And then there are four captain's picks. And the way that the captain's picks are spread out are kind of a little bit funky. They pick three, and then they pick a wild card at some point, too. But right now, the people who are in, 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 like in terms of points, is Brooks Kapka. He's not going to get moved. DJ, he's he's there. Mm-hmm. Patrick Reed, Justin Thomas, Bubba Watson, Jordan Spieth, Ricky Fowler. So those are the top seven. And like you said, DeChambeau right now, he's in the eighth spot. Okay, so that's the cutoff line. So right now, there's not a whole lot of spots that a whole lot of points separating eighth through twelfth or thirteenth. So right behind DeChambeau is Webb Simpson, Phil Mickelson, Matt Kuchar, and then there's also Brian Harmon. But so here's the thing: is again, you've got Brooks, DJ Reed, JT, Bubba, Smith, and Fowler. Those are 100% locks. I think those regardless are locks. of what happens. Yep, those I, are locks. Like Fowler was outside. Yeah. Yep, regardless of what happens, those are locks. Phil has never once in 20 years not made the team on points. It's one of the most incredible stats ever. So he has never once not made the Ryder Cup team just on points. And he's right now 2 points out. So he's at 10. There's two majors to go. So whether or not he actually gets into that eight, he's there for sure, too. But then you've got Kucher, who's a stalwart. You've got Webb at nine, DeChambeau. So that, and then that leaves room for one more. But, like, I'm not saying that those are in, but what are your thoughts here? See, I, I think Kucher is, is, is an interesting case here. And I know he's sort of a stalwart with the team, and, but he has really not played, you know, as good as he, he just hasn't shown to me this year that you know he's he's as consistent as he always has been. So I think Kucher could be interesting. I, I don't know if he's. I think people look at Cooch and they see what he's done with, with you know he's been on this team a lot and might think of him as a lot, but I don't think he is. I really don't. I think, as a matter of fact, I think Webb at nine, the way he's played this year and what he has shown is as close to a lock as there is outside of those first seven. Yeah, no, well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and Phil, too. I mean, Phil's obviously. Well, yeah, besides Phil. I meant Phil, too. He's in there, too. So, uh, like, so Kucher, here's the thing. is like, he's a big, they, you know, they, they're big believers in the team room game, and he's kind of like the comic relief. And the guy's steady as can be. No, he hasn't posted true, a lot true. of, 
he hasn't posted, you know, a lot of victories real quick, but let me pull up his uh just what he's done recently as well. I'm sure it's pretty steady. But it usually is. You know, I mean, he makes a lot of cuts. He just hasn't really um been in contention all that much. Yeah, so so one thing I will guarantee is that he will be in Paris, whether or not he's an assistant captain or, you know, or some sort of like kind of Bubba role. I'm pretty sure that Kucher will be in Paris. He was a captain's pick last time as well. Um, I mean, he's got three, four top tens in the last two months, it looks like. So, he, yeah, but it hasn't been great stuff. You're absolutely right. So I could definitely see that one falling, falling off. So DeChambeau, the one thing I – that one's interesting to me. Like, the guy's been playing great. He's got good history. He He's actually, he won a U.S. Amateur before, so you know he can play match play. He, in the 2015 Walker Cup, he halved his first singles match, and then he won his foursomes match and his afternoon singles match, too. So that guy, he's got, you know, international team format experience. He's been good, and they actually got clobbered that year, and he was one of the few people to get points for the Americans. But, like, I'm trying to think of, like, who would you pair DeChambeau with of those other guys? I mean, you're definitely not putting DeChambeau with DJ or Brooks. Like. Yeah, that's the thing with him. That, that I mean, I don't, I just don't know how. I mean, if he's. I'm, a, sure, I'm sure Ricky's contractually obligated to like him through Puma. But. <laughs> he probably is. <laughs> I mean, maybe you put him with Bubba. That, yeah. would, that would be so interesting. <laughs> but Bubba's such a feel guy, too, though. Like, you'd feel like, now, I know one guy you could probably put him with. And that's Mr. Tiger Woods, who's sitting at 31 on Ryder Cup points right now. Which seems like it's super far out there. But I'm kind of a believer that Tiger's going to make a win, get a win this year. And Kevin Nod just went from like 54th to 13th with his win last week. And I guarantee you, if Tiger Woods sniffing the top 12, I, I don't guarantee it. But what do you think? If Tiger Woods is 15th in Ryder Cup points, does he play? I think he plays. I do. And I don't see how you could leave him off if he's up there. I mean, you look at guys, I mean, I think you've got to have experience too in Ryder Cups. And, and we got, you know, right around that range, you have a, a Brian Harmon with what zero experience, Kevin Na, Tony Finau, Xander Schauffele. I mean, all great players, just not a ton of experience. And I think when you when you're talking about, especially a Ryder Cup overseas, where it's just a totally different atmosphere, everybody's against you. I do think experience is going to come into play there, and and that's another reason why Mickelson is basically just a lock, regardless of if he's in that 10 to 12 to 13, 14, whatever slot. I mean, he's going to be in there. Um, The guy that interests me the most, though, and one that I wanted to point out and talk about, because I know he hasn't played that great, and and I know I'm a little bit of a homer for him, but that's Kevin Kisner. You know, he's sitting there in that 19th slot right now. I, I, I really, I wish he would play better right now so he could get onto this team, because I think, he is the type of guy that the U.S. needs in the Ryder Cup. I mean, you saw what he did in the President's Cup. He was fantastic, whether he was paired with Phil or whoever. He is a fiery guy. He hates to lose. He's a great match play player and team player. So I would love for Kiz to get on this team. But right now, I can't. I just don't see how 
you know, Jim Furyk is going to justify putting him on there at 19, you know, being in that 19th slot with the way he's playing right now. Do you have any thoughts on Kiz? Well, yeah, he needs to do something to, like, make his name known. Like, he's not, he is a fiery competitor, like you're saying. Like, I think of the time that he went at it with uh, Ricky Fowler at the players, and they're just both throwing darts under pressure at the, you know, pin on 17, just hitting just crazy shots. You get that guy in a playoff or pressure position, like he's going to step up. Kind of reminds me of Patrick Reed in that sense. You know, he's not going to back down from the moment. Uh, I'd like to see him get into that moment once before that and like make that interesting. The guys that are sitting around, you know, that 12, 13, 14 spot. I love Tony Finau. I love uh, Brian Harmon. But like, honestly, like, only way Brian Harmon's getting on this team is if he's in the top eight, isn't it? Or do you disagree with that? Yeah, I don't think I, I really don't see Harmon making it unless he gets into the points. I just I don't see it. Yeah, so I think that he like Kisner needs to get up there in that top ten. I think if he's in that top, you know, if he's in that top twelve spot, that's one that's an easy pick for the captains. Like, well, he's technically top twelve in points. He's a solid guy, and we'll take him. You know, we've got plenty of, like, veterans on the team right now. The only rookies we have that are in there, you know, on points are JT and DeChambeau. And then it's not until 12 at Harmon where you have another rookie where, so I don't want to be bringing out all kinds of old blood. You know, you want to have some new guys in there. You've got that. So... Yeah, I think I'm super excited for it, man. I'm just I can't wait to see like the experience of like a, a European Ryder Cup and just how that's different. Yeah, I agree. And we got to see this course just a few weeks ago at the French Open. Um and, and JT went over there and played and um seemed like just a, a great course and it, it was very challenging for these guys. I mean, I wanna say like what, seven or eight under one and eighteen was a killer for some of these uh these 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 guys at the French Open and and so that'll be interesting when he's coming down the stretch. If you're going into 18 on a very tough hole, see what these guys do. So, um, just just cannot wait for it. And uh, that'll be when I see you again, right, Moose? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait, man. It's gonna be just awesome. All right, so oh, let's. We got to get into some picks, I guess, at the weak field here at the John Deere Classic. So I am gonna give a quick course breakdown. And then we'll get into some picks. So this week we are at the John Deere Classic in Silvis, Illinois at the TPC Deer Run course. Playing just at about 7,268 yards. It's a par 71. This course typically typically plays as one of the easiest courses on tour. It was uh, 38th toughest, and that's out of 50 in, in 2017, and then 39th in 2016. We we are going to be looking at an absolute scoring fest this week. Uh, as I've mentioned, it's another weak field. It's a 156-man field. Um, you know, looking at as far as the green surface, you got bent grass greens, but they tend to run pretty slow. Um, just like last week, we have pretty wide fairways, pretty easy to hit greens. <laughs> Um, the par fours out here, they're just not very long. This is just not a distance just doesn't really matter out here at all. Um, there's no water hazards off the tee. 
the only hazard you're going to have is the bunkers, um, and and that and they're really you know again it's just they're wide fairways. Um, you know, I am going to look a little bit towards driving accuracy, and that's because I think you do need to you know fit your drives into certain spots. If you look at guys who've done well in the past, DeChambeau last year, Spieth in the past, um, they've they've fared well on driving accuracy. So I'm, I'm going to pay a little bit of attention to that, but mostly it's going to be strokes gained off the tee. Um, you are going to see some guys club down a little bit. This is another wedge fest, just like we had last week. Uh, so I looked at proximity from 125 to 150 yards out. I think that's going to be key. Looking at past champions, you had DeChambeau, who we've been talking about for Ryder Cup in 2017. You had Ryan Moore in 2016. Jordan Spieth in 2015. Harmon, another guy we talked about for the Ryder Cup in 2014. And then Jordan Spieth again in 2013. Also Zach Johnson in 2012. Real quick, looking at the weather, I think we are going to get some rain early on, which is just going to soften up this course even more and make it easier. So they'll, this here's the thing. For me, my main stats are going to be DraftKings scoring, obviously course history in recent form, I always look at that, and birdie or better percentage, strokes gained off the tee. And that proximity stat I mentioned, because that's that's going to be key. But here, here's the thing. This is just going to be a scoring fest. You have got to make birdies out here on this course. So, Moose, any thoughts on the course itself? And what is Fantasy National telling you this week? Well, so one of the cool things that we just put in a week or two ago, well, probably a month ago now, uh, is what we call the time machine. Uh, have you checked out the time machine yet? I haven't. That's another thing I haven't checked out. See, Sweet. Well, I get to. Okay. So, what the time machine is, the time machine allows you to go back in time, you know, like you had a DeLorean or something, and look at the field so you can say, okay, let's take the time machine back to the 2017 John Deere. And so you go back there, it loads up that field, and instead of giving you their DraftKings pricing or, or their fantasy draft pricing, it tells you what position they ended up finishing in. But. All the stats that come in stop the week before that tournament. So you can actually look at what lead-in stats were important going in. Does that make sense? So it's like you can yeah. like research, but also see what the actual results were. So you can say, oh, you know, you might think that, you know, strokes gain total on easy course is important. But then you go back in history and you're like, nope, top, you know, half the leaders were missed the cut here but the one that i found was uh that proximity that you mentioned of 125 to 150 if you uh look at like the each player's previous 24 rounds going in on 124 to 150 it's it's pretty solid numbers the other one was uh birdies gained that was a big one as well so yeah i think all the ones you're hitting on you know the the birdies are better the strokes gained approach I, i'm not so big on the off the tee this week as you are just given kind of like who's typically win won this it's it's more those guys that are good with their wedges solid putters you know historically solid putters but yeah well i'm actually just shocked i'm i'm, I'm surprised that i see i feel like my proximity stat gets overlooked a ton i feel like that's one of those things that 
that people don't want to look at for some reason or another. But when you have big greens, easy to hit greens like there are this week, I feel like proximity is key. And then you got to kind of, you know, sort of get it down to a, a, a measurement of when what yardage you think these guys are going to be going into these greens when it comes to proximity. And for for me this week, it's going to average that kind of 125 to 150 yard, you know, as far as with with the way these they're short par fours, and that's just typically where they're going to end up. Uh, end up. So I'm glad that, that that backs me up. I'm feeling good about that. Oh, absolutely. Yes, no, that totally backs you up. It's kind of one of the cool things that I really like about the, that time machine. So, like, what I'll do is I won't even necessarily know. Like, I'll just flip between the different views, and I'll start sorting by each one, and I'll compare the finish position to that to see, like, how important it was. So, I mean, I'm, I'm pulling this up here real quick, but... um, So, if we're looking at... We were talking about proximity... If, if you sort by proximity on 125 to 150 going into last year, so these are just stats that, you know, were leading up to uh, last year. So, one second, I got to refresh this here because it's pulling in current stats for some reason. This is great radio, I'm sorry, but, or podcast. Well, it's a podcast. The juice is flowing. I don't know how to work my own site right now. Here we go. We're getting there. We are getting and there. It's we're coming. getting there. And we're there. And we're there. Okay. So now that I'm pulling this up. So if I just kind of start sorting through these. So we got Brian Harmon was first going into last week. We got Boo Weekly, Ryan Moore, Wesley Bryan. Let me, I'm thinking that this is not. I'm not on the time machine. Jeez Louise. <laughs> This is podcast. Okay, podcast juice is done. I'm not even going to do this. But the point is that you can kind of go through this. You can compare that versus like where they actually finished. And you can kind of just scroll through and find them. So, yes, this week I found that the 125 to 150 was like super key in terms of relevant to where people placed last year. There was, I think, of the first 15 to 20 guys, like all but three made the cut. There was a couple top threes, top fives. Uh, the other thing that I noticed was putting from five to ten yards, and what I noticed now, here uh, is you're getting way too. No, I'm sorry, five to ten feet. Five well, to so ten feet. Like to... You're getting way too detailed there, Moose. Come on now. Well, here, here's here's my theory on this. Okay, there's different lengths of putt. So I don't ever get into like the twenty-five to thirty-five, you know, feet putt stuff because, like, that's kind of you know, if it goes in, that's kind of lucky, but. In this, like, typically the percentage of, you know, zero to five foot putts made is significantly higher than the five to ten putts made. And this week at, at John Deere, it's more linear. So people are making more five to ten footers. And for some reason that that seemed to, like, correlate to past results. And, you know, so I guess it's just kind of like more the guys who can put the ball online from a short distance not necessarily speed related, you know, they might not have the best touch, but they can get it online. I think that that's what that was telling me is that, and that's why there's so many birdies out here is that, you know, you can make a lot more five to 10 footers. I'm guessing it's, you know, because we've got bent grass green. So the putts are probably rolling really true. They're coming in with wedges from 125 to 150. So, you know, that five to 10 foot range is probably pretty key. So that, that's, well, I do agree with that. I think that like you're, 
you've got to be rolling in those those putts this week. They're they're not very fast greens. I mean, the, and they're rolling true. So if you're putting it online and you're in that five to ten foot range, you need to be making those putts, and that's going to be a, a huge key this week. But let's get into this top half of this field. So it's interesting pricing this week. We're really top heavy. You know, we got guys like, and, and look, it's a weak field, so you're going to see some strange pricing. But um, right at the top, we've got Molinari at 11.6. We got DeShambo at 11.4, the past champ here. Zach Johnson, who's one here as well at 11.2. Jaco Neiman at 10.4, and Ryan Moore at 10.2 here in the uh, over 10K. I'll start us off, and I'm just going to say right off the bat, I, the last few weeks, I've been fading the highest price guy in these week of, week events, um, which would mean that I probably would fade Molinari, but I think I'm going to play him this week. I, I think that you can fit him in uh, at 11.6 um, in cash or GPP. I, I just I know that's a high price, but I, I do like him. He's obviously one of the class players in this field. He's been playing fantastic. He's number one in strokes gained off the tee. Basically, every single stat category that I'm looking at, he is in the top 10. Strokes gained off the tee, birdie or better percentage, DraftKings scoring, that proximity stat we've been talking about. He's number three in the field. Um, and so I think Molinari is just should be a core play for you this week. And then the other guy that I'm going... Damn, damn boy, I've never seen you spit out so many stats in my life. Holy, you must have done your homework this week without DB around. You know what, David, we talked about this actually a couple weeks ago. He, we, This was offline. We were talking about how when we first started this show, I was I hated this, all these stats. And that's why, like, Fantasy National, you know, I talk about it now, like, I, I love it. But I used to be so I, I was I'm a course history guy and a recent form guy. That that is like my top two favorite things to talk about. Um, but I've over the years I've just I've I've learned that I do think that these stats that if I pinpoint them right, which I feel like I have this week, um, they're going to pay off. And so you may start you start hearing more stats from me, David. David, well, I like it. I like it. I love it. So You're just. Kind of blown away. Yeah, it's like who is this man? Hmm. No, I mean, I mean, it 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 comes out every once in a while. But the other guy I'm going to go with, I'm I'm back on Neiman this week at ten four. I mean, he just secured his card with that with uh, his top ten, at least top five at the at the Greenbrier. Um, just the guy is incredible. I mean, I think that he is one of the best players we've had to come out on tour in the last few years. Just the way he's done this. I mean, you look at a guy like Neiman, he's kind of taken the path like Spieth did when he got sort of his, when he graduated college and got a few starts and, and actually ended up earning his tour card for the next year. Um, and had the, actually John Deere Classic was one of his first, I think that was his first victory, wasn't it? Yeah. I think it was. Um, JD, yes. JDC was his. So I feel like a guy like Neiman can do the same thing. So I do like him. So. I'm going up at the top there at Molinari, and then Neiman are my two favorite guys here in that over 10K range. What about you, Moose? Who who are you kind of seeing here as uh, good plays? Well, so I think, well, obviously, first of all, Molinari right now, so we also do ownership projections on Fantasy National, and one of the things that we do that's kind of cool is we kind of track user interactions and see who people are, like, favoriting and, and so on to calculate 
ownership for the next coming week. Right now, we've got input from over 200 different members, and Molinari is half the ownership of DeChambeau, ZJ, Neiman, more even. Like, we have him right now. That doesn't mean that that's the way that's going to end up. It's really early. But right now, Molinari is the everybody's kind of going with the, well, he won the last time he played, so I'm going to fade him sort of thing. So I don't know that that's necessarily a bad play. Obviously, the guys can make birdies. He can putt. He's good with his, you know, approach shots, like you said. So that's that's a pretty good play, too. You got Shambo. I think, I don't know that I like ZJ for uh, Zach Johnson for like GPP plays, but I think that's probably a pretty solid cash game. Him and Steve Stricker have like owned this tournament for years. So no, I think, I think I'm with you. I think I like, uh, I'd probably, I'd probably stick at the top there. And then obviously uh, I like uh, Neiman as well. He uh, last week, actually the simulator had him ranked as the favorite. We have a simulator that kind of runs the tournament a thousand times and kind of predicts who it thinks is going to win based on that. And I was a little scared last week when Joaquin Neiman was uh, joking. How, how do you pronounce this? I'm asking the worst pronunciator in the world. <laughs> Why how, are you, how do you asking how do you me that? It? How do you pronounce it? Is it Joaquin or Joaquin? I think it's Joaquin, but I just say Jocko because I think that's his nickname. Okay. I've heard people okay. call Okay, so Jocko, he was he was ranked first last week for most likely to win. I was pretty nervous, but he ended up with the top five. He's ranked number one again in our simulator uh, this week. So we'll see how that pans out for him. But, yeah, so I like him too. So I got to ask this. When you're looking at ownership projections, because we like to look at fan share sports. We, we love them. We think they're, they, they take all the kind of sentiment out there as far as who's talking up who and whatever else and there's a ton of information they got to sift through so how is how is fantasy national sort of compiling the the ownership projections and 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 you know taking that into account well so first of all i love fanshare i think that they're a great place it's actually if people are members of fanshare i think fantasy national is a very good compliment to go back and, i agree yeah. kind of check their information on and vice versa if you're if you're a member of fantasy national i think uh fanshare is a great place to go and have another membership and check you know compare the numbers i think that so first of all our our ownership projections are only based on input from people who are members of Fantasy National, okay? So, typically, the members of Fantasy National are a little bit more astute. You know, they're not going to be that Joe Public who's just going to throw in Ricky, Phil, and Tiger on every one of their lineups. And so, Fanshare might do a better job of kind of getting the overall picture, but I think that day in and day out we do a better of like who is actually going to be the owned who's going to be the most owned and second most owned and for the most part so yes what the way that it works is just basically as you're going through fantasy national you select the guys that you like a lot and then based on that we kind of say okay if this percentage of people are liking them that equates to about this percentage of ownership and there might be one or two guys that we miss it by like five to ten points, but everyone does. You can't get around that because it's kind of variant that way. But we're like spot on with everybody else. And 
I'm not a kind of guy who's like saying, oh man, if it's saying that he's 12.5, I'm going to be pissed if he ends up at 13.2. It's like, no, I just want to know if like, are you, is this guy going to be around like 12 to 15 or is he going to be 25 or is he going to be six? You know, like that's kind of my thing. How, how do you play with ownership? And no, what do you I, like to use? In- I agree. I think you, you can't be like, you can't have it in your mind that it's you are got to be a 1% sort of variance between, you know, what the projected projection is i mean i just want to know like you know across the board like you know is there a guy that i'm that i'm thinking is going to be lower owned and then all of a sudden i look at it and i'm like wow he's you know i'm looking across these sites like fan share sports or you know fantasy national or whatever it is i I mean i think it's almost like when we look at you know sports books and and we want to see it different lines or different odds or whatever it is I want to see kind of, I want to look at several of them just to see where it is. So, you know, when I'm looking at ownership, so I think it's certainly worth looking at Fanshare, looking at Fantasy National, and just seeing where where those guys that I might be surprised, you know, where they're they're falling in as far as their ownership concerned. Because there's a lot of, you know, I'm not very good at predicting ownership in my own mind. I think that, like, I think we in general, as as players, like just the normal player, thinks, "Oh, this guy's going to be high owned," but then you don't really ever check, you know, ownership, whether it's fantasy national or fan share or whatever it is. You're just not going to have a clue. I, I don't pick it very good when it comes for. I hate when people ask me to predict ownership because I am terrible at it, and that's why I look to to sites like yours or fan share to see where it is because then I know that it's going to be pretty accurate and it's not again there's going to be a percentage or so differential but it's not like in my mind what it is where I might think a guy is going to be 25% owned but he's actually 15% you know what I mean yeah oh absolutely and and to me like I'm I think everybody is inherently biased if they try to do it and try to say okay here's my ownership projections for this week. What I think both Fanshare and Fantasy National do to both of our credits is it's more of a math equation. There's no, like we absolutely have nobody go, Oh, this one's too low. Let's bump this up. It's like, okay, this is, this is the math equation based on our crowdsource data. Here's the information that we have. And based on the interaction and the way that people have interacted with the site in the past, this is where we think that the ownership is coming out. You know what I mean? But nobody says, oh, I think, you know, David Lingmurth is going to be the pivot play at, at 9,000 this week. Like, you know, this, it's just not, it's just straightforward math. Yeah, and it comes and I out think that's the key, no, is that, that, that it's just not, it's, there's no bias that's even a part of it. And that's that's what you want to look at as far as ownership concerns so all right so let's we're dropping down into this 9k range this is an interesting range for me there's not a whole lot of guys that i like here um for me i i think that obviously you can look at stricker who's got a fantastic course history here he's i, I believe he's got that local connection um he's in good recent form with a, tie, a t20 at the u.s open he was a t18 at the saint jude classic so i, I don't i think on a course like this, I do like some Stricker, so I can see you playing at 9,800, but I'm just, I don't know. Other than that, I don't know. I mean, Chesson Hadley, 9,500, 
Texas box. He's number one in this field in birdie or better percentage. Also number one in drafting scoring. So I think Hadley and Stricker are going to be the two guys I'm going to kind of hone in on this week. Pat, those are the dumbest picks I've ever heard. What? The- Sorry. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I just had to throw a little curveball there. No, um, I disagree. I thought oh. you were going to do your David impression right there. <laughs> oh, I should. I should. Oh, okay. We'll get there soon here. No, uh, no, those weren't the two I was on. I actually kind of like, uh, I do like Hadley, but just right now his ownership's about like double. Again, it's early in the week, but it's about double what we got for Austin Cook and Wesley Bryan. And Wesley Bryan, who's had a real slow start to the year, does kind of fit the player that's out here. He kind of seems like a very Zach Johnson-like guy who can putt. He's good with his short game. Has a little bit, you know, trouble off the tee a little bit sometimes. But you're not the longest guy, but, you know, he's about half of Chess and Hadley. So that's kind of what I'm liking right now. But so the two I like in that 9,000 are at 90. Uh, I like Stricker, like you said, actually. And then uh, Cook and Brian at, at 93 and 9,100. Well, I mean, and, and Wesley Bryan, you know, like you said, I mean, he's he's finished T3 and T8 here the last two years. He's gained almost 19 strikes on the field, um, and he's playing better. I mean, if you if you look at his last few events, he's made the cut. He's been he's been putting well, um, doing the things that Wesley Bryan typically does after sort of a rough start to the year. So I'm I'm okay with him. And Austin Cook was a guy that I, I was one last week that I really liked, and I think that um, he's he he could be an interesting play. But this this nine K range is I don't know. I think you've got to sort of pick like one or two guys here and just go with that guy, and not you know don't get too concerned with with anything else. And so dropping down into the eight K range, I don't I don't have a ton of guys in this range. I really don't. Nobody has a ton of guys in this range right now. Actually, I'm just looking at this, and the only people that are like even like popping remotely in terms of ownership right now are Chris Kirk, Brian Gay, and Aaron Wise, who uh, kind of let me down last week. But I probably get back on him because I kind of have this. Oh, you know what? Actually, I'm 100 percent going to play him in drafting because I picked Aaron Wise and won and done last week, and he missed the cut. And you know what that means? He's probably going to win this week. No, here's the thing. Aaron Wise is not going to win this week. I don't know if he's still on a hangover from his victory and still, like, totally embarrassed on every single fairway he walks with his (laughs) girlfriend or whoever it was that just totally cock-blocked him, basically. Oh, my God, yes. So I feel like he's still in embarrassment mode from that. Like, I don't know. Like, I just can't. I can't. I can't take Aaron Wise. I feel like he's a trap. Like everybody thinks that he's just because he's he played great early on and he had that victory that he's all all of a sudden just going to find it. And I just don't see it. So I, I don't I don't like Wise this week. I think Andrew Landry is the play here at eighty seven hundred. I like him. And you know what? I'm going to go back to the well with Patrick Rogers at eighty eight hundred. He Killed me last week in my lineups, but he was second here last year, T27 in 2016. I feel like he's he's a guy that can, he can, he should be able to play great on this course. So I do like some Patrick Rogers at 8,200. I really like, would love to, I, I don't, I went through a Patrick Rogers phase a couple I years ago. I go through ago. a Patrick Rogers phase every single year. <laughs> 
And it's tough. Like uh, the guy's name, his nickname should be crypto because like, you know, he's like Bitcoin, just up and down and up and down. It's like you never know what you're going to get with him. It's like going to be amazing one second. You're like seeing Lamborghinis and like rocket ships. And then next. Oh, yeah, he's he's tough. So if like he's a guy that I'll put maybe on two or three lineups every couple of weeks, but. It's literally just up, down, up, down. Yeah, he he's so volatile. No, he is. This could be a good. This could be this could be a good track for him. I feel like. So it who should else? Be. You, yeah. So I I actually um, so far I haven't dug in deep enough on this level. I don't have anybody favorited between nine thousand and like seventy six hundred yet. So do you have anybody else kind of like in that range, like in that eight thousand to nine thousand? Uh, the only other guy I could talk about would be Strillman, and I think that that's just the guy that everybody wants to talk about every single week because he is a solid player. Um, but I think he could be a good GPP play coming off a miscut. Um, he doesn't have the greatest course history here, but he's obviously just a guy that's you know fairways and greens. You know, it, it just it, if he's putting well, he he's gonna be he's gonna be playing well, and that's the thing is that's that's where he's not been. It, you know, putting has been his sort of key the last few weeks, and that's the reason you haven't seen him. You know, being in contention, but I, I do think Shrillman could be a play here. Um, I guess that's, that's really about it for me in that AK range. Yeah, I mean. Keith Mitchell, Kevin Choi, Sung Kang, Danny Lee. Are you gonna play? No, are you? Just... Would you play Sung Kang after the whole Joel Damon cheating? Yes. Well, yes, just because I don't really care. I mean, so first of all, there was rules officials there that said that Sung Kang was correct. Like, I don't. I didn't get too deep into this. Just, I thought it was weird that Joel Damon was so vocal on Twitter. About about Urgeson, just so vocal, period, about it. But, you know, Kang, Kang's a guy that can just go so deep. He's he's kind of like a, he's like a mini Rogers. It's not quite as volatile, but he can be just as bad or just as good. You know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not playing him. So, no, I guess I should have just, no, I'm not playing Kang. I'm not playing him either, <laughs> just because I don't really like him this week. But yeah, it has nothing. To, it had nothing to do with that that whole rules mishap thing. Yeah, I mean, I, just, I think here's the thing. I mean, it's it's. I don't know. I mean, he was drew from the field last week. Maybe he was just tired from whatever. But all right, so let's go down into the seven K range. There now, there's a ton of guys here that I think we could look at. Um, yeah, for, for me. Now, speaking of Sun Kang, I'm going to still ride the Joel Damon bus at 7,600. The guy's just a- absolutely killing these weak field events, playing fantastic. I think this is another course that fits him well. So I do like some Joel Damon. I like some Kelly Craft. And here's the thing with Kelly Craft that just absolutely ticks me off because I was, I was, he was one of those guys that when you're looking at these, like you're looking at Fantasy National and you're looking at guys that fit certain courses. He fit for me last week. 
and he kept popping and kept popping. And I was looking everything I was looking at on Fantasy National. And then I just, but I just couldn't put him in my lineups. And, and for whatever reason that was, but he was checking boxes for me and I didn't throw him in there. But I'm going to ride him again at 7,900 uh, on DraftKings. I think that's a good price for him. Another guy I like is Ches Reeve at 7,500. Look, didn't play good at the U.S. Open, but that's okay because he's just not a guy that's going to play good at those type tournaments. But in the weak field event, I think Ches Reeve is a fantastic play. He is a proximity guy. The guy knocks down flag sticks, and as long as he can make putts, he will be in the tournament. So I do like some Ches Reeve. So right there at that over 7,500 mark, who do you like? Moose. Um, so I was just checking out. I like Nick Watney this week. He's the type of guy that plays really well relative to the field in these weaker field events. Um, I like uh, Joel Damon, like you were saying there, too. Bronson Bergoon's been kind of interesting lately. He's been popping. He's uh, normally pretty low-owned. He's been kind of on a real big ups trend. His really only weakness in his game is around the green, but... He's gained strokes consistently off the tee, on the approach. And he's, what I kind of also like to see about him too is that his putter's not very volatile. Like, he's never, he doesn't go from like gaining six strokes on the field with the putter to, to you know, losing 12. He's just kind of like, he either gains or loses less than half a stroke. You know, so he gained three on at the Byron Nelson. But, you know, he's got... He's got some solid performances coming in lately. So Bronson Bergoon's been coming up. Can't believe I'm saying that on like something that's being recorded. But I guess I've already talked trash about <laughs> I saw, Augusta National. I was thinking about Bergoon actually also, and I was thinking to myself, do I want to mention Bergoon? Because I know that he's, he really pops for me, but I just don't know if I want to yeah, so, talk about him. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know that I want to mention him because this is like going down on public record and it's out on. Yeah, oh, HV throw. Well, we're still in the seventy six and up, right? So no, you can go go now. Let's go with whoever you want. We're in the seven K range. Okay, see, because we we're kind of going a little bit long on the tooth here, anyway. So let me just kind of run down what I like have here so far. Favorite, I uh, Harold Varner the third at seventy four hundred. Uh, that sounds pretty solid and awesome, especially with his performance last week. Uh, Richie Rurensky was kind of popping. Let me see why he was popping here for a second. Oh, he plays significantly better as the the rounds are easier. He's uh, he had a bad outing at the Greenbrier, but still made the cut. And was basically DFL inside the cut, but for the most part, that was kind of an anomaly. He putt really well, but he was terrible in everything else, and it's kind of the opposite of what normally happens. But he's got uh, fourth at St. Jude recently couple uh top 30s previous to that so at 6800 that's a pretty good deal there so something not going to go super heavy on him but something that's decent Aaron Badley god i hate saying that on something that's being recorded as well but that guy's killer in that 125 to 150 range we got a weak field the guy can putt you know it's uh yeah, so that's kind of an interesting one there, too. What do you think of Badley? Yeah, well, actually, Badley, he's one of the best putters on tour. So, I mean, if he, as long as he's playing well, you know, hitting hitting these greens and, and that proximity range for him, I think he could certainly be in play. Um, 
I mean, I think you got to look at uh, you got to look at Harkins at seventy three hundred. He's he's the oh, yeah. DFS darling, but a guy that has you know played well lately. He had a, kind of a stretch uh, about four or five weeks ago where he wasn't playing quite as well. But he's made his last three cuts and he's made some birdies, checks the box, and DraftKings scoring. So I do like uh, Harkins. I like Steven Yeager at seventy one hundred right there at the bottom. He's uh, finished T47 and T13 in his last two events. Uh, checks the box on scoring for me as well. Another local guy for me, Scott Brown at 7,100. I think he's a good play. He's got a good course history. He's made three straight cuts, so he's been playing well. And I think this is a great course fit for him. You look at a guy who just is, is not the longest hitter on tour. But he hits fairways and he hits greens and he can make putts. So I do like Scott Brown. And then I think the last play for me is a guy that um, I just have kind of a soft spot for because he had some uh, an issue with his caddy who um, had some medical problems earlier this year. And that's Blaine Barber at 7,000. He's been in good recent form. I think this is a perfect course for him. So I do like some Blaine Barber. I, I, regardless of whether or not, I know he's an Auburn guy. He's not, a, he's not a Georgia Bulldog. He's an Auburn Tiger. But I do like some Blaine Barber. So there you go. I feel like I was slurring the Auburn Tiger thing. <laughs> I feel like I've been slurring the entire podcast. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, the, Blaine Barber is kind of just a name that doesn't normally pop for me. I'm just kind of looking. He's had some three consecutive cuts made. That's pretty good. Uh, you mentioned uh, Brandon Harkins. I kind of have a rule going so far this year that I'm playing Brandon Harkins and Austin Cook every week until I've proven wrong on doing so. And yeah, they're kind of ju- they've just been staples for me every week because they're never uh, well. Cooks obviously keep ninety three hundred. I'm still going to play him just because. But I definitely like Harkins. It's about the same type of player. Maybe not quite as good, but also just as consistent in terms of cut makers. So he's kind of just one of those weekly staples for me. Who have been your staples this year? Like, who are, like, the guys that, you know, like, that are new, so they're playing almost every week, and so you're just like, yep, throwing him in again? Oh, man, that is such a great question. Um, I think that, oh, God. Oh. Man, that's a good question. I, w- I really want to. I wish I had a better answer right now because that's such a good question. Because I, I can't even. I got to look back on guys that I've played a ton of that I really like. I mean, I think that I've I've loved some. Uh, and now, are we talking lower price guys or just like guys I've played on average in general? Well, I was kind of thinking. I was thinking more along the lines of that. Brandon Harkins, Austin Cook, like kind of rookies this year that you're just kind of like, you know, well, or Joaquin Neiman for that matter too. Obviously, you know, just kind of the new guys that they're like the max they're ever going to own. You know, at is maybe fifteen percent, but most weeks you're going to get them between like five and seven, and like they're going to make a cut for you and maybe give you. The chance. Yeah, I mean, I think Harkins has been one of those guys for me, although I was sort of slow to come around to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, th- I feel like um, like a guy like Trey Mullinax, I've been a big fan of this 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 year. Um, he's in this field at 7,200. 
He's been a guy. Oh, uh, he's he's like a poor man's. Uh, oh, what's the guy that's always belligerent on Twitter with the gap in his teeth? Uh, that makes a lot of birdies. That like oh you know, um oh. um I know who you're talking about um Grayson Murray. Yes, he yes. is kind of like that. Um, he's been a guy though that I've really liked this year. Um, you, you look at a guy like. Uh, Oh, yeah, I like Trey because he can just go on some birdie runs and score you a ton of points. Yeah, like a Tom Love lady who's been a, a guy that I've... I mean, I don't know. These are obscure people that I think that, you know, could, they're going to be good players on tour uh, going forward. And I don't know, man. That was such a great question. You caught me off guard there with that. Sorry. That's all right. That's all right. The podcast is flowing. We're probably... Running at close to like an hour and twenty minutes here. Anyways, we so. are we're da- we're down to the bottom here. We need to give some six K guys. Um, I don't really have a ton. I really don't. I have. Uh, I think JJ Henry might be worth a play. Uh, he was T ten last year. He was top twenty five last week. So he's got that kind of course history with the recent form combo. He checks the box and strokes getting off the tee and driving accuracy. Uh, so he could be a good play this week. Uh, I'm not going to be on Robert Garrigus, who I feel like everybody might look at, um, but I just don't. I don't see it. And then maybe who else? Who else do you get? You got anybody in the six K range? Nothing that I'm obsessed with yet. Like I just kind of started looking, but uh, <laughs> possibly Brett Stegmeyer. I have him favorited, but I don't recall why. <laughs> um, I'm looking at this Sounds and I'm like just me. like it must it, it's probably it's actually probably that 125 to 150 thing uh, Ben Silverman possibly at 6800 he's been kind of like another one of those guys not quite as reliable as uh, you know Harkins or whatever but kind of one of those newer guys that I've been kind of playing a little bit he's, he's much more likely to miss the cut though than those other two so nah, I agree I agree there I mean I don't know. So Moose, I, you know, I didn't. I can't. I feel like I can't let David off the hook because I, you said you had a good David impression. Oh my God! Okay. Um, so how are we going to do this? Well, so it's going to be odd because I like my impression was at the very beginning of the show, and actually, I can just like let this go, and we can like let David like filter this thing out whenever he wants, and if you just want to kind of like play back with me as if I were David. We yeah. Could, like just see how Let's this works. That. And then, see and then, that. and then when it gets old and dumb and it's just like, we're being drunk and we should just show Dave can just like, just fade out. Like you do with, you know, the slow songs back in the day. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> just have it just fade out at the end. Okay. So hold on. I need to, Oh, stretch out here and kind of get my get ready. energy. Get ready. Cause, uh, and it's actually dark in here. So I can't even see my notes anymore. Um, Okay, so, oh my God, too much poor podcast juice. God, David's loving this because now I'm. How do you make fun of a guy when you're being such a no? Don't worry show about it. You can do it. Just be okay. natural. Be natural. Hold David. on a second. I got. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Hold on a second. I need to turn on my lights so I can see my notes here real quick. I'll be back in two seconds. Uh, talk about something dumb for two minutes for twenty seconds. Twenty seconds. Ten seconds. Oh, I only have twenty seconds. Okay. So, uh, Moose, well, I, first off, I got to say that it has been incredible to have Moose as a part of the show. 
Um, you know, here's we're, the thing. we're back. You can stop mumbling. Okay. Okay, I can stop. Okay, great. Thank you for saving me. What's happening, golf addicts? This is David Barnett, the one and only important person on the Tour Junkies. I do everything myself. We have such an amazing episode for you guys coming up. We've got picks coming up. We've got boxes to check. I've got two fantastic interviews with two guys I've never even heard of. But hey, Pat, before before we get into that, what do you think uh, about me just... Taking about 30 minutes to talk about some totally unrelated story that happened to me today. <laughs> are, are, are you okay with that? Because, I mean, I can do it. I'm good with that. Uh, Tell and, me and about pa- your story. Okay, good, Pat, because you know what? I wasn't really asking for your permission because this is my podcast, and you're lucky I haven't just muted you out for the last couple of weeks anyway. <laughs> so, I've been having this problem, and, and I go up. I like to buy golf shirts and you know, I like to wear my golf shirts a little bit on the tighter side. Right. Right. Like, yeah, you know, I like the bright colors. I like can be really tight and, and and I'm up at the PGA superstore and it occurs to me, why am I shopping in the men's section where the smallest shirt that they sell is a small when I could go over to the youth section and get like a size youth 10 T. Like, because, I mean, that is tight because I like them tight, tight. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't know. So, I'm in there. I find this shirt. It looks like this kaleidoscope that just, like, puked on itself. (laughs) So, like, just colors everywhere. And I'm like, this shirt is fire. So I'm in there and I'm looking at this and it's like, you know what? I haven't taken a selfie for at least 15 minutes. So I better like take a selfie of me in this shirt. And it was just fire. I mean, my, my nipples look like like golf tees just sticking right out. Now, I'm not talking like the long golf tees, Pat. I'm talking like the short, like, do you remember the short par three golf tees? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I'm talking like the little red ones and just like pert and just there. And I'm like, yes, this is what I want. I want I want to know that on any given swing, my shirt could just like spontaneously combust. And this shirt like had it nailed. So and I I don't really there's the story's not going to go anywhere, Pat. That was just kind of. The 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 extent of my impression, I didn't even like try it. The voice I probably should have. but. <laughs> Oh, all right. That was fantastic. <laughs> Thanks. So that that was like my best caricature of of Mr. David Barnett, who we all love and appreciate. That was fantastic. Well, you know what? This show has been fantastic. We've probably gone a little bit longer than we normally do, but that's what happens Sorry about that. when you got oh, I know. a guest host like you, Moose. Hey, Moose. We appreciate you being on the show for the Tour Junkies podcast at the John hey. Deere Classic. And you know what? That's all we got. We out! Boom! Boom! Till the tears run down from my eyes, Lord, somebody, ooh, somebody, can anybody find me? Somebody to love. Alexa, play hits from Queen. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. 
Point out the colors of you. I see them too, and boy, I like them. I like them. I like them. We way too fly to partake in all this hate. We out here vibing. We vibing. We vibing. Alexa, play Ariana Grande. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.